Hello, and welcome back to the Capital Stewards podcast. We're glad that you're joining us. Today, we're going to talk about active versus passive management. Every morning I wake up and I turn on the financial news and I'm told by some strategist or talking head that uh, this is the time for active management and that actively managed mutual funds are making a comeback over passive funds, which have dominated uh, the investment landscape over the last decade. So today, we're going to talk about whether active fund managers are actually beating passive funds in post-pandemic markets. Uh, should you own passive index funds? Uh, what about active funds? What's the best way to invest and gain exposure in stock and bond markets? So our work suggests that the majority of investment assets should be managed passively uh, to maximize results uh, and reduce both costs and taxes. However, we'll talk about in a minute, active management may be useful in a few sort of less mature asset classes around uh, the edges of the market. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about our perspective on all of this active versus passive debate. Hello, and welcome to the Capital Stewards Podcast. Are you a professional who wants straightforward, trustworthy financial strategies that you can act on? Are you entering your highest income earning years and discovering that your personal finances are becoming too complex? We get it. You're a highly competent professional, but you don't have time to go deep on your personal finances the way you do with your day job. Hi, I'm Brian, and helping professionals make smart financial decisions is my passion. I run a financial advisory practice called the Capital Stewards and work with professionals like you who are trying to cut through the noise every day. It's time to stop Googling every question you have about money and dive into some real professional guidance. So let's get moving. So let's start with real data. According to Dow Jones, the SPI VA scorecards, which they publish every year, 85% of U.S. stock funds have underperformed their benchmarks over the last five years. Not 51%, not 60%, 85% of actively managed stock funds have underperformed their benchmarks. It's not even close. Morningstar's Active Passive Barometer is a similar study, and it shows that only 43% of actively managed funds outperformed in 2022. So it doesn't look like 2022 was a whole lot better than the last decade in the Dow study. In large cap, in the Morningstar study, only 10% of actively managed funds survived the last decade and outperformed. And the reason we have to talk about survival is because a lot of times funds get created, they don't perform well, and so they get shut down. So in order to outperform, you need to both survive over a long period of time because you're doing a good job and outperform the benchmark. Only 10%, that means 90% of funds did not beat their benchmarks. Yet over the last 12 months, there's been a lot of discussion about the return of active management in the media. Barron's has published articles on this, a return to the golden age of active management. But we'll link that below. I thought that was particularly rich. And, and like I mentioned earlier, every day we hear people talk about how this is the time for stock picking, right? We saw many fund managers comment last year that because we have higher volatility now, active management would again demonstrate its true value. And it is true that some large cap stock fund managers did slightly better than usual against their benchmarks in 2022. Depending on the style, according to Morningstar, between 5 and 9% more managers beat their benchmarks in 2022. For large cap growth, that means only 37% outperformed. For large cap value stock funds, 47% outperformed. And for blended strategies where they have a little bit more flexibility, a whopping 54% outperformed in 2022. 
So in my book, being less bad is not an investment case. But you may say, well, what if I could choose one of those funds that did outperform? Will the hot streak continue? For the funds that were in the top 25% or the top quartile of best performing funds from June of 2019 through June of 2020, none of those funds repeated their performance over the next 12 months. So even if you find a U.S. stock fund that outperforms over a short period of time, it's unlikely to repeat its performance going forward. That's why that Morningstar survey shows that uh, the number of decade-long outperformers is so low at only 10%. So the research that we've kind of laid out so far suggests that there's little value for actively managed U.S. large-cap stock funds. The results are really similar, by the way, for small-cap stocks and core bond funds. Active management provides little value if your goal is to meet or exceed the benchmark. And every month, it seems like we talk to new clients, and when we start working with them, they have a portfolio chock full of actively managed mutual funds. So is active management always bad? No, but the data we laid out above suggests that you should be very picky about using active investment managers. There are a limited number of asset classes where passive management is either challenging to, to use or where active management can still provide more consistent outperformance. In the latter category, our work on international stocks in particular shows that a much higher percentage of managers outperform over multi-year periods. Uh, our study looked at the performance of investor and institutional share classes of all U.S.-based diversified emerging market mutual funds, which is a long way of saying we looked at the lowest cost share classes or the lowest cost mutual funds for emerging market funds that are based in the U.S. And we compared the total return of the fund performance against the iShares MSCI Emerging Markets ETF, which is the core passive index that a lot of folks use uh, to get exposure to emerging markets. We found that over the last year, 51% outperformed. Over the last three years, 55% outperformed. Over the last five years, 67% outperformed. And over the last 10 years, 73% of the funds outperformed. Morningstar's work also shows a higher percentage of actively managed international funds outperforming over longer time periods. So in our view, low-cost active management, in particular in emerging markets, makes sense because you've got a higher uh, likelihood of choosing a fund that's going to outperform the benchmark. And we can have a long in-depth conversation about what that is. Some of that has to do with the way the benchmarks are constructed, and there's a lot more variability in sort of what the, the quote-unquote benchmark looks like for you know, some areas of the international, uh, the international market. Active management is generally required in private asset classes, such as private equity and private real estate. From 2002 to mid-2022, so the last decade or so, the median private equity buyout fund, that's LBOs or leveraged buyouts, you may have heard about those on the news, those outperform the S&P 500 by 6.8% each year. Doesn't mean they return 6.8%, they beat the S&P 500 by 6.8% every year. That's pretty significant. Venture capital funds, made po more popular, I think, lately, outperformed the Russell 2000 index by 3.8% each year. So in those asset classes, top quartile returns or the top 25% of the returns drive even more uh, outperformance against passive investments. Thus, active management is probably worth the additional expense when you're allocating uh, to some private assets. But a word of caution about private fund managers. Just because active management sort of is worthwhile on the whole, or when we look at averages, doesn't mean that your portfolio should have expensive active managers. At the top 25% of managers in uh, private asset classes generally drive most of the outperformance. The remainder tend to demonstrate performance that's in line with or below the benchmark. So if you can't access one of those truly top, 
high-quality manager that's going to drive a lot of outperformance, then you should consider indexing because the sort of average median manager that you're going to be investing with is not actually going to achieve the outperformance that you're looking for. In the fixed income portion of portfolios or in the diversification portion of portfolios, there are also investments that don't have passive options. In 2022, we used a high-yield floating rate bank loan fund to hedge against higher interest rates. There's not a passive index uh, to match that exposure, and that just has to do with the nature of floating rate bank loans. And so there are other corners of the fixed income market where indexes have not been created or they don't work for technical or for liquidity reasons. And so there are a limited number of places where active management makes sense. So if, if you're someone who says it's, it's passive all the way and nothing else, that's not really the right approach. It's more nuanced than that. But the majority of your funds should probably be invested in a way that is low cost and passive because you're just not going to earn active returns over the benchmark. So how should I achieve returns if active management doesn't work? Our approach to achieving returns is to focus on asset allocation. Uh, Roger Ibbotson, kind of a famous uh, article in 2010, compiled years and years of investment research on investment returns. And they concluded that market exposure and asset allocation are responsible for the vast majority of differential returns over the long term. That's kind of the technical way of saying that investors should be focused on being invested in the markets or not selling out when things feel bad. I'm buying in when things feel good, but staying in the market and owning the right mix of asset classes, stocks, bonds, real estate, gold, et cetera, to drive long-term investment returns. Active management only helps influence a small portion of returns at the very top of the, the total return for profile, but the vast majority comes from simply being in the market and then having the right mix of stocks, bonds, real estate, gold, the right mix of assets to drive your total returns and achieve your goals. So in conclusion, our view is that the historical data strongly suggests that using passive management in the majority of equity and bond portfolios is appropriate for, for most folks. However, it's important to recognize areas where a passive approach isn't possible or it's less desirable and to utilize active managers in those areas. So there is some nuance there. It's also important to focus on asset allocation, not picking active managers. So focus on asset allocation and not simply just trying to choose active managers. And so if you look at your portfolio and it's full of actively managed mutual funds, you might need to evaluate whether those funds are driving positive performance after fees. So I hope this conversation helped bring some real data to a lot of the talking head discussion around whether active management is worthwhile and whether it's making a comeback or having a renaissance. The reason we titled the article the active management comeback or not is because it, we're leaning towards more towards the not camp that it's not actually adding a lot of value. So I hope you find this helpful as you think about your own investment portfolio. If you have questions or if you're looking around and you're saying, hey, I have a lot of actively managed mutual funds in my portfolio. If you'd like to talk to somebody about that, we're happy to have a conversation. You can find us at thecapitalstewards.com. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to the website and uh, send us an email or schedule a call. We'd be happy to have a conversation and would love to learn more about your situation. And we'll talk to you down the road. The commentary provided is for general audiences and educational purposes only. It should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice for your specific situation. That's why you should talk to a professional. Hello. Past performance of market results is no assurance of future performance. All the information on the podcast has been obtained from sources we deem reliable as of the date of this recording, but it's not guaranteed.